Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. The 2015 edition of Hillside Inside takes place February 6th to 8th in various venues in downtown Guelph. Now, while Saturday's show with the new pornographers and operators and Sunday's show featuring Stars and Hey Rosetta are both sold out, you can still get tickets for other stuff, like Friday's Oliver Mutapuzzi and the Black Spirits River Run Center show with Alex Cuba, or the Kid Koala Bad Bad Not Good Bizarre show at Mitchell Hall. There are also still tickets left for the Owen Pallet Jennifer Castle show at St. George's Church Sanctuary Saturday afternoon. And there's a whole bunch of other stuff happening in stores and restaurants and cafes uh, over the weekend. So head over to hillsidefestival.ca for updates and more info. Hello, it's a little late, and I should be going to bed, because uh, sleep is at a premium around here. So I'm going to try to make this relatively short. Before I tell you about what's happening on this episode, I want to mention that uh, the next installment of Long Winter, which is a festival that I'm involved in uh, organizing, I also present the Long Night with Vishkana talk show there. Uh, which uh, some of you may have heard an episode. I, I tried to present one here on this podcast a couple weeks ago. Anyway, our next installment of Long Winter is the Long Winter Fair occurring on February 13th in Toronto. Basically, the Queen, the, the Queen, the corner of Queen and Dovercourt uh, is the hub. We're doing stuff on the street on Dovercourt Road there. We're doing stuff at the Great Hall. We're doing stuff at 99 Sudbury. We're doing stuff at the theater center. It's all ages. There's lots of stuff happening. And I urge you to go to torontolongwinter.com to find out more stuff about, uh, you know, there's just, it's too much. I can't tell you everything that's happening. I will tell you that on the next installment of my talk show, here's what's coming up. Jesse Brown of Canada Land will be a guest. Susan Fast, the author of a new 33 and a third book called Michael Jackson's Dangerous, will be joining me. 
Stand-up comedian David Hetty, who's been on this show, he's going to be on. And a great musician, Lisa Conway, is going to perform. So that's the Long Night with Vishkana show happening at the Great Hall. Probably at 8.30 or 9 or 8. I don't know. We have to figure this out. TorontoLongWinter.com for more information. Now, this episode of the show features Colin Hubert, a.k.a. Siskiyou. There's a new Siskiyou album. It's a bit different than some of the uh, other Siskiyou music you may have heard, if you're familiar with this project. Uh, Colin is someone I met many years ago when he was in Great Lake Swimmers. Uh, my band I was in helped set up, a, I think, the first Great Lake Swimmers show in Guelph. And, and then uh, joining the Great Lake Swimmers on this little tour was this band, Tenured... Ten-Year Drought? I think they were called Ten-Year Drought. And Colin was in that band. So we met and sort of see each other fleetingly. He moved to Vancouver, so I don't see him as much. Anyway, he started this uh, band, Siskiyou. I'm a fan, and the new record's great. It's out now via Constellation, and you'll, you'll hear uh, part of a song and then an entire song on this episode. And it's a revealing, occasionally heartbreaking chat with Colin. He's going through some health stuff, and... His life has been altered, and it's uh, frightening, frankly, that stuff like this can happen. So, uh, listen. Listen to this. It's a good one. This week, the Bookshelf Cinema is screening Mr. Turner... Ida, The Theory of Everything, Wild, and more. On February 7th, Tim Tencher reads from his new book, Picture Your Life to Create a Healthy Mind and Soul, in the bookstore. That's happening in the bookstore. And then on February 13th and 14th, the E-Bar presents The Cock Whisperer, A Love Story. The bookshelf is an independently owned culture hub located at 41 Quebec Street in Guelph. More information about their hours, listings, blogs, and accessibility, please visit bookshelf.ca.
Siskiyou is the musical moniker of Colin Hubert, a gifted and evocative songwriter who lives in British Columbia. With his previous two albums, Hubert emerged as a haunting and deeply emotive voice in subversive folk music, unafraid to house pretty melodies and hopeful lyrical notions in somewhat surreal and unusual musical packages. The new Siskiyou album is somehow more forceful than any before it. It was born of physical pain and mental anguish, and that shapes one of the most riveting albums of the year. Siskiyou's latest record is called Nervous. It's out now via Constellation Records, and here to discuss it further is Colin Hubert. Uh, hello, Colin. How are you? Hey, Vish. I'm good. How are you doing? I'm very well. Now, where where are you precisely? I am in Vancouver in a garage in East Vancouver specifically. Oh, East Van. That's a... That's a... Yeah, to be very specific, yeah. <laughs> I'm almost no longer in Vancouver. I'm right at the edge of Burnaby and Vancouver. So, are you near the uh, Tomahawk Restaurant? That's in North Vancouver. Oh, North. So, right, right, right. Kind of generally speaking, yeah, I am. I'm just across the water, but, <clears throat> um, but yeah, that's in a kind of different municipality. I suppose. Okay, that's North. You're East. Okay, I guess sometimes I get confused. I thought that was East. Yeah. I've never been to the Tomahawk though because I'm a vegetarian. So, I, although I know of it, I just have never. Um, been there to to eat so yeah when I quite... I went with Nardwar he took me there oh seriously that's yeah I feel like doesn't he take people like quite a few people there like as a habit of his I suppose or I, no maybe I mean I had a show at one point where I actually had breakfast with people and I was in Vancouver so I made a point of meeting oh. meeting with Nardwar and yeah he ordered yeah you're right there wasn't I mean I I think I I eat uh, some eggs so I had like. I think I had something, but there wasn't a lot for me to eat at the time. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, that sounds like an int- that would have been probably a pretty interesting breakfast. <laughs> it was. Did you come across Nardwar ever in your travels? I have never met Nardwar, no. But I know, <laughs> you know, I know people who know him. <laughs> you know what I mean? But yeah, I haven't met him personally. I've never even really seen him, to be honest. Like, even though I live in the same city and have for quite some time, yeah. You would think that if you were going to see anyone, it'd be... I feel like we could spot Nardwar from space. Yeah, like, like you're, you're not going to miss him if you're walking down the street. But, but maybe if he wasn't in his full kind of regalia, maybe, you know, he would be unrecognizable. When you when you went and saw him or had breakfast with him, was he in like the full get up kind yeah. of thing? Yeah, absolutely. He was. So I don't know what he looks like out of out of character. So I, I wonder, uh, do you have interest in speaking with Nardwar about Siskiyou? Maybe. I'm not sure. Yeah, sure. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> why why do you have him right there with you no but i i know him a little bit i could probably make it happen if you really wanted it to i think it might be interesting yeah it could be actually pretty interesting to be honest so <laughs> yeah maybe, maybe let's let's try and set that up in the future maybe <laughs> all right you'll have to go to the the tomahawk i think <laughs> that'll be the condition yeah. of the uh of the interview maybe now i mentioned in the intro that uh there's some health uh issues that contextualize uh, this record. Can you speak to those? Uh, I, I didn't give too much away, and I don't want to speak yeah. on your behalf. Can you speak to that? Yeah, I, I mean, I don't really want to go into too many of the gory details, but I've just, yeah, like a few years ago, I flew with a cold to go on tour overseas, and I just kind of a bunch of weird symptoms, mostly in my ears, you know, and my face that made it kind of difficult to, I don't know, relax and to kind of feel like the person I was before kind of just they popped up one by one over the course of three or four months like loud ringing in the ears and sensitivity to sound and all kinds of 
weird emotional stuff that goes with that. And yeah, and then I, you know, I got back and it just kind of worsened and no doctor, still no doctor has really been able to tell me what's wrong with mm. it. So it's kind of been one of these weird things where, you know, you grow up and you always think, you know, even if you have something wrong with you, that it, at least someone will be able to tell you what it is, even if they can't help you, you know, that that would give you some relief. But when someone can't tell you what it what's actually wrong with you or how to fix it, it becomes a kind of stressful uh can become a kind of stressful event for a certain type of person, I think, you know. And how debilitating was this for you in your work? Well, you know, I think it's I think it, it's pretty hard on in terms of live performance because, like, you know, you can never really control the environment. And so if, like, you know, the monitors blow up or the monitor feeds back or if you have a bad sound person on any particular night or whatever it is, it could be pretty not you know pretty devastating i think to me and my kind of sense of sound and hearing and and you know that kind of stuff so in a, in a controlled environment like a studio it's not really a problem actually to be honest because you can kind of set your levels and you know to as loud or as quiet as you want it because you're usually kind of isolated in a little room right mm -hmm. away from the drummer or the whatever so so okay. yeah, so if it, it affects the live performance, and you know it affects, but that that's probably about it. But that's a big part of music, I suppose, too, right? So is it so? Is it a um, a situation where your hearing, uh, your ability to hear, has been dulled, or are you are you constantly hearing ringing? Well, yeah, it's like a loud ringing, but it's really it fluctuates really wildly, and my ears are always like popping. You know how when you're on a plane, how like you can feel the inside of your ears like quite a bit, especially if you have a cold. Yeah, I kind of have kind of a situation in that certain sounds that don't even have to be that loud will cause that same physical kind of distortion in my ears. Hmm. So it's, you know, it, it makes it a little bit stressful, like reg regular everyday life. I think if I was a more relaxed person, you know, then if I was a different kind of person, then it probably wouldn't bother me, you know, as much. So I'm, I'm certainly partly to blame. And, and there's, to be truth be told, there's part of me that sometimes wonders, how much of it I just didn't create of my own kind of uh, anxious person. You know what I mean? That I, over time you can create your own kind of mental weirdness if you dwell on things for too long. You know what I mean? You, so. you suspect this may be psychosomatic? Well, uh, yeah. I, I mean, eventually I think when you run out of reasons why things are happening, you start to look, I think, a little bit more inward to see if there isn't something that you 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 did or something that you are or something you haven't been you know paying attention to on a conscious level that maybe creates some kind of physical symptoms <clears throat> you know i haven't really discovered it yet but, but I, i'm certainly constantly kind of searching it out i suppose you know what i mean so have you had uh, any I, because okay so first of all you and i would have met god um, 10 years ago or something. At some point, you were in the Great Lakes Swimmers, right? Yeah, the first time I met you, actually, and I don't know if we really formally met, but I think we met at Ed's video in Guelph. And I was playing in a band called um, Ten Year Drought, and you were playing in a band, playing drums, and Great Lakes Swimmers was playing as well. But that was before I actually played in the band Great Lakes Swimmers. Yeah, it was a weird. So it was an afternoon. It was a Sunday afternoon, early evening show. We decided that the, yeah. the, the date didn't make sense. 
or the date, the only date that made sense for this show was a Sunday. So we decided, well, Sunday's an off night in this town. We'll do an early show, and then people won't have yep. an excuse about it being too late. And it yep. sort of worked. Yeah, it was a fun show. It was like that was the first time I think I met the Great Lakes Swimmers folks. And so there, were, and we were going on a little short tour after that. And so it was kind of you know this first moment when two bands go on tour. I don't know if you've experienced it where they, you know, they're kind of sussing each other out and sure. getting to know each other and like wondering and worrying, like, what's this going to be like kind of thing. So it's always kind of a bit of an awkward thing the first night when I think two bands are going on tour play together. So, But it was, um, that was a fun show. And then you subsequently, so 10 Year Drought, this was, was that one of your first bands? Yeah, yeah, I just played drums in them. And then we went on tour, and I think I ended up playing drums. I think Tony's, like, whole band bailed on him or something, like, like the day before they were going on that tour. And so so it was just him by himself, and so I played drums for a few shows by the end, and then eventually they just kind of needed someone to play drums. And that's kind of how I filled in that role for a few years there. Right, so you were in the band for a few years, and then I seem to recall hearing that you may have... Uh, suffered some other health issues that precluded you from continuing on or, or was it just uh... no no I just I had moved out to Vancouver you know in the middle of all that and so it just kind of didn't make sense to be playing in a band that was you know in Toronto when you were on the other side of the country you know what I mean so okay so you, you so that were, was a big part of it you logistics were, you were living in Windsor Ontario no, I was living in Toronto at the time, and that's and tr- so was Tony and other people that were playing in that band. And then it just so happened that I was moving to Vancouver in the as that all like I'd already made plans to move out west, kind of, uh, you know, as I was starting to play with with Great Lake Swimmers, and so I followed through with those plans, and then I ended up in Vancouver, and it's we still we still played together for a little while, you know what I mean? But it just. Um, yeah, eventually it just didn't make as much sense logistically, I don't think. so. And did you, the the Great Lakes Swimmers sort of ascended uh, in terms of their busyness and, and well, their status, their profile. The band got bigger. Did you regret the decision not to be part of it anymore? Uh, yeah, I don't think so. I think that, you know, that that popularity, I, it just means you're, that you're touring a lot more, <laughs> I think, on a lot of levels, at least in, in the role that I was performing in that group it just would have been meant a lot more touring which i had already done quite a bit of and in the end i'm not the biggest fan of you know what i mean so maybe it yeah i don't think yeah there was a bit of regret but not not so much you know because to be on the road nine or ten months of the year is is not the most enjoyable experience so it was a pretty crack band when you were i mean sandro perry was in the band at one point was were you in, in the band with him yeah i played with sandro quite a quite a quite a bit actually yeah so and Eric, and there's a guy named, yeah, there's a whole group of people rotating cast, I think, for the most part. But yeah, yeah, that was a fun, that was definitely a fun time for sure. Yeah, so. like that was an amazing version of that band, I thought. And then as yeah. it, it got a little more, I mean, I think Tony's music is still really weird, but I, I mean, I think it just got more conventional on some level. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely, it did. Yeah. yeah so yeah. yeah, that was, it was a fun, a fun couple records to make. And, and it was always kind of an adventure to make those records. Uh, because it was never really, I think now they make records a little bit more in proper kind of studio settings. But <clears throat> at that time, it was always kind of like, you know, at some church or some some weird location somewhere. Um, so that was always kind of a, a fun time. So. Speaking of fun times, did you just get a text? 
I did, yeah. So <laughs> my it's my it's my it's my wife asking me what groceries she think I think she should get. Oh, what are you gonna recommend? Um, I think uh, mandarin oranges. I, I'm kind of addicted, even though the season's over now that you know the Christmas time is over. But I'd never really gotten into mandarin oranges like ever in my life as a kind of Christmas. Um, tradition, which I think it is kind of a Christmas tradition. And my, uh, my wife's big into them. Yeah. And so, so I got turned on to them this year and it's like, I was like, it was like, I was smoking cigarettes. Like I had like a $10 <laughs> day Mandarin orange habit and, uh, and I can't really replace it with anything. Cause it's like big oranges. They're too hard to peel. And you're, by the time you've eaten it, you're covered in stick stickiness, you mm-hmm. know, whereas with the Mandarin oranges, it's a clean, concise delicious experience so so i'm kind of at the 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 dregs of the season here so i'm just whatever whatever uh any port in the storm so i'm I'm a big uh i like navel oranges yeah see i'm I'm, i guess i'm not too versed in all the different kinds of oranges so maybe that's a place to go to try and you know you know fill that hole once it finally the season's over so a navel yeah. orange a good navel orange is like it's fair they're fairly gigantic but they're, inc- if they're if it's good it's incredibly juicy and delicious and sweet yeah i mean yeah that sounds that sounds great i mean there's something a kind of oral fixation to the mandarin orange though too right because it's so small i that guess it's so yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Like eating candy on some level you know what i mean so i feel like you should That's- respond to your wife's text and just say you know what honey forget the groceries we're going to the tomahawk <laughs> You know, I don't want to try to text her because I'll probably shut down this conversation. Right, <laughs> right. Because I don't know, I'm not, I don't know the intricacies of of this <laughs> telephone and face and all the different uh, things we have going on here to make this happen. So it is a bit intricate, and I appreciate your uh, patience with this new technology. Now we were talking about uh, the Great Lake Swimmers, and you're leaving the band, and how you don't like touring uh, necessarily because you've done a bunch of it. Um, I, you've come across in the past and in your music a little bit as someone who is and you've you've mentioned this you've been open about your anxiety uh, you seem a little high strung i feel like some of your music uh is a, is it, it kind of reflects that tension between mm-hmm. uh emotional normalcy and chaos uh, i i'm just curious how this works for you as a musician i mean is a lot of what we're hearing reflective of you and your personality yeah, I think so. Yeah, I, I would say the songs are on some level autobiographical. I think that's fairly obvious, I think. So, um, but yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I think that I'm a bit of a, I'm definitely an anxious person. It's something I think I'd try to, you know, I would like to not be, but, you know, and I'd work to not be, but at, at the same time, it's hard to not be who you are. So, um, So, yeah, but as far as music goes, I feel like, I feel like it it helps in terms of making music, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it makes you pay attention to details a little bit more, maybe, and never not really settle too much for things. I, I don't think it, it makes for a good live performance, though. You know what I mean? Like, nobody wants to see some, like, uptight, kind of nervous wreck, you know, playing guitar for them i've I found the hard way are you not you know? are you not playing live at all well we might go over and do a tour overseas if it makes sense it's kind of like we we're not really this is not like a band that we like play shows around town all the time just 
people live in different places and you know i i don't know live i just playing live is not i i like playing drums actually to be honest like if i could just play drums that that's something i feel really comfortable doing live playing guitar singing having to come up with the witty banter that's that's a whole nother that's a whole nother skill set that i don't think i have mastered you know what i mean and it's and it's like i'm not really that good of a guitar player so i'm always thinking about what's going on with my hands whereas I felt I was a fairly good drummer. And so I didn't have to think about it. Like I could just feel it. You know what I mean? So, um, so yeah, no, we don't really play too many shows. So, and it's a lot of work to get when you don't really just rehearse weekly or anything like that to get the whole machine up and running, especially when the songs are kind of fairly intricate and complex, you know, it's, uh, like you want to have like, you know, a couple weeks of shows booked before you go and put all that work into getting a good live show up and running right so so we might we might do a tour it's kind of we're looking into it for the for the spring or the summer i guess overseas and if it makes sense then yeah we'll probably get everything going and uh start rehearsing and all that kind of stuff so it's interesting to me that you for someone suffering from uh this hearing condition this condition with your hearing rather and uh that, yeah. that you gravitate towards the drums uh, among the loudest instruments. <laughs> yeah, but I was never really that loud of a drummer. And, you know, I, I wear, if, I, if I'm if i recording, I'll wear headphones. Like, I, I mean, I, I just think, like, it's not that I gravitated to it because of its volume or intensity. It's more just that I feel very natural playing drums because I've played drums since I was, like, a teenager. You know what I mean? It's like, it's you don't, you don't have to think about it. And there's something so beautiful about something you don't have to think about when you're doing it. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Like, so that, that's more of what it would be. It could be a completely different situation. You're right. In the, in the reality of my current life, maybe playing drums in a band would not be as ideal, but on some kind of, you know, fantasy level, then it's, it seems pretty ideal to me, even though I've done it before and I know what it's like, you know what I mean? So, <laughs> But sometimes you need sometimes you need to go through a whole process of things to come back to realize that holy crap, you know, I actually kind of like just playing the drums. So I like playing the drums. I miss playing the drums. I do play the drums still, I guess. But I I I love playing the drums. The, the drums. Do you play? Do you play in a band at all? Because I remember you were like you were pretty like pretty serious drummer when I at that Ed video show. I remember you kind of ripping it up. So oh well, thank you. I I uh, here and there I'm playing here and there. I think there was a point uh, where I, I literally was in five bands at the same time. You know, classic smaller town situation, and then yeah, now I'm you know I got two kids and I'm playing where yeah. I, when I can kind of thing. I miss it. I I I always enjoy doing it. It's it's the full, yeah. it's the full body workout. It's very satisfying. Yeah, and and you know, as a drummer too, you don't have to really worry about like writing a set list. You know, like all the d details. You just need to get out there and rock. You know what I mean? Like well, there's not as much. I'm kind of the I'm the um, bossy drummer. Oh, you're the details guy. Okay, so then, so maybe that's a bit different then. So I don't know. Yeah, I am the details guy. I think that's that's fair to say. Yeah, it's interesting. Now, a couple of people uh, that I've spoken to and things I've read and in my own interpretation of of the band, uh, in terms of following the band, this, this new record seems uh, more fleshed out. Um, yeah, more layered in terms of instrumentation. It's funny to me that you went again. I don't mean to keep harkening back to this health issue but it's funny to me that you got noisier as or at least this record is noisier than uh previous ones given what you were going through can you speak to how 
the sound and the sonic template of this record uh, reflects what you've been going through and and then within that even the content of these songs well i mean i think as far as the way the record turned out um i think the re- the production value i think is a little higher because i made the other two records on my own just kind of you know at my apartment or here and there and those those two records like i didn't put much time or thought to, you know relatively speaking into the writing of songs like it just kind of they came out and half the time you know i would record them record little demos of them and those demos would actually turn into the songs on the record so there was a kind of level of spontaneity to that songwriting and not a lot of consideration in terms of like what those songs were and so it had a kind of i I felt those songs had a bit of a charm and so I, i don't know i just didn't really want to do the same thing on this record i wanted to see you know what would happen if i put a little bit more elbow grease into the process of like actually writing songs, I suppose like that once you had the idea that you went in and you didn't just stop at a good idea, but you pushed it a little bit further to the next kind of level. And so, and you know, I had a lot of time on my hands too, because when my, the whole stuff with my ears happened, I kind of shut, you know, cause I was originally, we were going to make the record as a band and kind of rehearse it as a band and, you know, work, work the songs out in that form. But once my ears kind of, blew up like that i just kind of waited around for them to get better and when they ended up not getting better after a certain point you just like i just started doing demos at home on my eight track cassette recorder and just went from there you know and i I, so i I wanted to yeah i wanted to see what happened if I, i worked harder at writing songs and then the production value which i think is higher we had i had we had more money to make the record because not because we sold a lot of records but of our previous records but really just because we had some more funding from you know arts organizations so Mm -hmm. you know and i you know so we figured we would go into an actual studio and and make it with someone who knew what they were doing you know what i mean so so i think that's kind of what happened with that and then you know as you make more if you make you write complex songs you know sometimes it requires a lot of instrumentation to keep it moving you know what i mean and keep keep it interesting i suppose so Okay, so this was it was a bit of an experiment for you in terms of the instrumentation, but I mean, you said something about figuring out ways to push things further. I wonder how that mentality rubs up against more pop-oriented songwriting because I think on some level this is also it's weird. It's it's a denser record for you on some level on on a few different levels, content-wise, musically, but it's also in some ways your most infectious. It's like it's the most pop pop structures that I think I've heard you employ is that does that ring true for you yeah I think so I kind of was trying to like not have any filler on the record you know what I mean as well so whereas I feel like in the past I've it's not that there's been filler but there's been songs that have been more meditative or something like that you know what I mean whereas this one I wanted to it was it wasn't intentional though wow nice yeah what you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hold up. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I wasn't intentionally trying to write a pop song. Like all of those parts just came out as they came out. And, you know, maybe I worked on the lyrics and how to put them all together, you know, as they as they ended up. But but yeah, it, that wasn't a concert. It wasn't a concerted effort to write a pop record by no means. Yeah. But you acknowledge that you could see how it, 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 this is arguably your most accessible record. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. So. Yeah, no, and that, that, yeah, yeah, it is, I would say it is definitely more accessible, but also because of the production value, right? It's not as like weird and lo-fi, I suppose, as the other ones. Yeah, so. that's, that's also true. Now, I, I'm trying to figure out a way to frame this as delicately as I can without seeming purient or, or insensitive, but within this sure. uh, recognition and, you know, within suffering from this ailment, yeah, has there been um, madness? Has there been has there been a kind of a confusion? Because I hear things like in, in certain violent motion pictures, there's references to sort of the devil on your shoulder. I hear like voices in your head uh, coming through. Uh, did you feel yourself like you were haunted <laughs> as you were trying to grapple with what you were going through? Yes, I think so. I think that you kind of like nailed, nailed that one a little bit. Yeah, like I... I felt like I was changing as a human being, you know what I mean? Like the way I saw the world, the way I saw myself, that all got completely re-oriented um, on me and without me agreeing to it, you know what I mean? And it was a tough thing to take and you had to ask like, who are you? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. and, you know, what the hell am I doing now? As, as the, you know, the actual physicality of your sensory experience changed on you, you know what I mean? So... Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I definitely felt a little bit, a little bit confused about, you know, because you take things for granted. You take for granted that, like, you know, that your senses and your ability to do and experience things is going to kind of remain constant, or at least remain constant until a very old age. And when that changes at a relatively young or middle age, you know, that that, that can kind of shock you because you weren't you weren't expecting that you weren't. You weren't planning for that, you know what I mean? So I can't handle. So take a, I, I cannot handle any ear interference of any kind. Like if yeah. I if I go to a doctor and they're like, "Hey, you got a little wax in your ear," and they do that thing where they pump the water in your ear, and if the water yeah. doesn't drain, I am I'm ha I have a borderline panic attack. Yeah, and I mean that's what it, it turned into, right? It was like panic attacks and things like that after a while, right? And so and then you know once you start start in on on panic attacks, then you move into all kinds of different thoughts because you're seeing your body, or at least when I experience panic attacks, I see my body stops functioning in a logical way. Right. It's like, it's just fear. Like, just like you just feel fear, the chemical fear. Mm. And when you, you know, but even though there's nothing to be afraid of. Right. And that's just such a crazy experience when your body is producing chemicals that make you just want to run away, but there's nothing to run away from. Like then you start to see yourself as just, uh, you know, as a, a set of chemicals and molecules, as opposed to like, hey, I'm Colin. You know what I mean? It's like you're no longer Colin. You're just 
chemicals that have kind of gotten you know mixed the wrong way at this particular time. Well, so, and we to call back to that discussion about whether or not this might be psychosomatic. I imagine you were partially there was some element of sort of self blame. You flew when you had a cold, and you're like, oh, you were you retracing your steps and thinking, my God, I could have prevented this. Yeah, absolutely. And there was like so much. Yeah, totally. Like. And, you know, it's one of these things where you learn this all in retrospect, you know, in hindsight, you're like, well, I'm never going to do that again, you know, and like, and I'm never going to, you know, I'm not going to put myself in jeopardy just, you know, because there's a, a lot of people depending on you, like for a tour or something like that, you know, in retrospect, if I would have not flown, you're right, like, what, two shows would have got canceled, you know what I mean? Like, in the scope of things, that's a pretty small event, you know what I mean? So... Has any so, yeah. has any medical practitioner assured you that look like this was bound to happen like you can't blame it on that? No, no, yeah, no, definitely not. Yeah, for sure. Wait, no, it's no, sorry, no one has been able to tell me why this happened or what has happened. To be honest, so. oh, that's got to be. Yeah. I couldn't. Well, I mean, all things considered, I think you're handling it quite well. I'm not. I'm very resistant to change. Uh, or, or physical alteration on some level. Like, I, I know this about myself. I'm sure everyone is pretty much like that. No one really wants to feel like yeah. they're missing something that they had before, uh, whether it's a sense or an appendage or whatever. But, yeah, yeah. I, I got to say, I, I, I understand. I, I, can, I, I can't understand what you're going through, but I also can totally understand uh, why you might be processing things the way you are. Yeah. And it's not all, all bad, you know, with time, with anything, you know, you kind of get used to something as well. Right. So, hmm. so eventually you stop kind of just delaying or kind of, uh, reflecting too heavily and you just kind of move forward. You know what I mean? And as you do that, things become a bit more normal. So yeah, I feel like I'm more in that part of this uh, experience than I was, you know, say a year, or year and a half ago kind of thing. So, well, I also, I mean, I'm not trying to, uh, I hope people aren't getting the wrong impression here. We, we talked about how the record is imbued with this darkness on some level, but is also very accessible. And I, I actually hear flashes of, of humor, um, which I think are pretty subtle and sly. At one point, I remember kind of just sort of smiling to myself as I heard you reference Give Peace a Chance. Um, right. And uh, and I also, I mean, songs like Wasted Genius uh, that are kind of counterbalanced by a, a later song called Imbecile Thoughts. Um, mm-hmm. There there seems to be some something going on there. Do, there. Is there anything on the record that you've kind of placed there to kind of amuse yourself or the listener? No, I don't think, I'm not a very clever person uh, in that, well, <laughs> in, in general. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not, that's just not my forte. And so... Yeah, no, I, I nothing. Yeah, I just kind of took it song by song, and I, you know, uh, yeah. There's no, there's no. Uh, I didn't, I didn't try to inject any humor here and there. There might be some, you know, just because that's what happened to occur. But yeah, there was certainly no intention on that level. Listen to some of these song titles: uh, "Jesus in the Seventies." Uh, yeah, but literally. <laughs> Go on, sorry. I was also going to mention Babylonian proclivities. Like those to me are kind of funny. Just in terms yeah. of words on a page or on your, you know, record player, those are just kind of funny things to see. Again, I agree, but they they are humorous. But it's like I didn't consider, I didn't think that out. That just kind of popped out. Like it wasn't like this thing where I was just thinking about it. You know what I mean? Like it just kind of came out of my mouth. And so, 
so that in that way it was not clever although it might in retrospect seem that way <laughs> you seem <laughs> you, know? you yeah. seem very resistant to framing yourself as as someone who would know what they're doing uh in terms of well that's the problem that's the problem like i'm not i have no i don't know what i'm doing things just kind of come out even like right now uh, in this garage like i'm scoring a movie I, which i've never done before and i'm just kind of hanging around hoping <laughs> you know that like something comes up <laughs> that that will work for this film, right? So, it's kind of not a great place to be, I think. Actually, is this a, is <laughs> this is this some sort of is this a creative device or impulse to kind of second guess yourself? Because I mean, at this point, you're an experienced guy. Uh, a record label is behind you. This is your third album on Constellation. I mean, the, the people believe in you. Uh, you you second guess yourself. No, I don't think I'm second guessing myself. I just don't think that you can force that stuff. You know what I mean? And so I'm not one. I think some people can write songs in a way where they can be clever within the context of a song and be very intentional. Uh, I just don't think I'm really like that. Like, I guess, like, you know what I mean? Like songs come out as they come out and then you go in and kind of rejig them. But I think because I'm not the most clever of fellows, I don't get to have I I don't feel like I'm intentionally, um, you know, bringing humor to the to the plate. Although sometimes it happens to just happen, you know, it just happens because it just kind of comes out, you know what I mean? So, so would you say there's no particular intention at all? Like, is there politics on this record? I mean, you, you, this is a reflection. No, there's, there's, there's intention. Like, I feel like there's, there's messages, but all I was trying to say was that there wasn't a lot of humor, though. You know what I mean? But, but yeah, there, there's a lot of intention in how the songs are portrayed in terms of their arrangements and their structures and the tone of the songs and also the lyrics as well. I guess I was just trying to say that I wasn't, I didn't, I didn't bring a lot of humor to the table intentionally. Is it insulting to you that I find things on your record to be funny? Not at all. I think that's great. <laughs> it's totally fine. Yeah. <laughs> what if you're, you know, cause everyone's going to, everyone's going to bring different things, find different things in different songs. Right. So I think it's fine that, you know, whatever you see in it is great. And the same with, with anyone. Right. So yeah, I, I hear a kind of, I mean, and you've, you've got different voices on the, on the record too. I mean, there's, there's just, um, I find that the way it's been framed or rather the way it's been arranged and, and sort of put together is, is very thoughtful and clever. And there's all these little nice, production nuances that i think people as you live with the record more and more uh things come out of it of that experience mm -hmm. uh and i think that's it, it, i think it's um this is like a close it, I, I think it, you it's required that you listen to this record closely to really figure yeah figure it out and I, I say figure it out and i haven't figured it out i'm not saying like there's a it's a puzzle to figure out or something but i feel like every time i revisit this record i've learned something else about it which is I'm trying to pay you a compliment in a very rambly way. That's great. No, that that's amazing. Like, it certainly wasn't an easy record to make. Like it to make the songs sound the way that they ended up. Like with all of those kind of intricacies that you're talking about, that took like a lot of, a lot of, you know, kind of despairing about how things weren't the way that you wanted them to be, and then going in and you know, tooling around and you know messing around until you finally got it to this perfect kind of level in my opinion right or different instruments at different places or hitting at the right time or whatever wasn't it yeah it wasn't an easy thing to do so okay because in the in, in the past i've made my record so you know you don't have to think about it you just like you're mixing it your fingers on the fader or whatever and then you stop when it sounds good like you're not having a dialogue with yourself saying like 
does it sound good there? Are you sure it's loud enough? Or, you know, whereas when someone else, which, which in this circumstance, other people were running the, the, you know, the recording process and the mixing process. So then every time you wanted to bring, you know, an instrument down to like, say an almost inaudible level, you know, you always, you know, the engineer would be bringing it down and saying, you sure you want to go lower than that? Like you can't even hear it, the organ anymore. And you have to then have this dialogue, which can become, you know, you constantly, you start second guessing yourself once you start saying things out loud. You know what I mean? Right. Right. Okay. Well, I appreciate that window into it. Uh, uh, Sort of in keeping with what I was asking about earlier, and I don't want to belabor this point about humor, but I'm just curious if you can tell us uh, whether it's something to do with the recording process or within the record uh, itself that's evident. What, what to you is the funniest aspect uh, or, or backstory about this record? The funniest as- aspect or backstory? Um, huh. I don't know. There must be something that amused you about... Or, or that you placed on the record just to amuse yourself. There must be something where you're like, that's kind of ridiculous. I'm just going to leave that in there. Oh, yeah, I guess maybe. Um, there's in the one song called Oval Window, there's like a scream at the, like, in, like, it goes, there's two parts, like the first part and then the outro part. And in between it, there's like me just kind of screaming, like, uh, like I'm a, like a woman in a horror film, like in Psycho, you know what I mean? And huh. it sounds, to me, it sounds kind of ridiculous. And when I first did the demo, it sounded more like a seagull. And I always wanted to try and get the seagull thing back, but it just never really worked out. So it sounds like a ridiculous falsetto man screaming in the shower. So <laughs> that, that one, everyone, everyone wanted to take that off. And, and I was just like, eh, it's already there. It's <laughs> kind of, it's funny. You know, it's not hurting anyone kind of thing. You know what I mean? So even though it sounds, are, it sounds like someone's being hurt, but no one really got hurt in the making of that. Yeah. And then another, I guess, one was the, in the there's a song called violent motion pictures and there's kind of an an explosion at one point that like a bomb dropping that um transfers you into the next section of the song and i'd always just you know made the sound on demo it's like but i was at the the studio and they had this little kind of like a fart machine you know it's like a little toy thing you hit different buttons it'll make like a fart sound or a (laughs) a window breaking or or it also had the bomb drop but like the speakers like literally like you know half of an inch wide Mm -hmm. and so i just recorded it you know on my phone or i don't know what it was the bomb drop and it sounded really wimpy it didn't didn't work but then when i brought it home and like ran it through like an eight track and put all this distortion on it it all of a sudden had the sound of uh you know, of like an actual like serious explosion. <laughs> so even though it came out of this tiny little fart toy or whatever it was. So okay. that was kind of a fun, funny moment as well, I suppose. So That is funny. I'm going to listen for those. See, that's the kind of stuff I don't think, you know, we've, I think we've talked about this record in, in a couple of, from a different, uh, a couple of different perspectives now. And I don't, yeah. want, I don't want to imply that it's all heavy. I think there's probably. Yeah, some... yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah, there's, yeah, there's, there's. There's there's funny moments throughout it for sure, absolutely. Yeah. No, I just hadn't really thought about it in that context, I guess, so much. So, not many people probably ask you, uh, tell me what's funny about your work. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Make me laugh, clown. That's basically what I was <laughs> <laughs> saying there, which is weird. Um, do you sitting back uh, away from the record now that it's been out a little while, and uh, I guess you're slightly. You, normally, when a uh, an artist like yourself puts out a record, they begin to tour the record, and then the songs 
uh, strike them in whole new ways, and you haven't yet had that experience, I gather. So I'm just curious, based on everything we've discussed already and your own processing of the record, like, do you see a, a sort of thematic through line now between this thing? Is it is it basically a a horror film, but about yourself in some way? Um, through the record, um, I I I mean, yeah, I think you know I wouldn't say it's a horror film, but I would say that it's I would say it's yeah, it's a record. I think of about on some level someone dealing with you know a problem that they can't solve you know what i mean like and that the kind of struggles or frustrations that might come along with that you know so and but i mean it's you this is you yeah and you know it like you know this is you are you on the other side of whatever you were going i mean you're obviously still this health issue is lingering but are you on the other side of uh, the sort of mental anguish that uh, sort of debilitated you? I, yeah, no, I probably wouldn't say so, <laughs> unfortunately. No, no, I wouldn't say that. It, there, It's not like a rosy, you know, like, you know, there's not like a fairy tale ending, I don't think. Or if there is, I haven't gotten there yet. So, hmm. um, but yeah, it's just like a different phase, like I said, right? It's like you, there's the phase where you're really looking in and then there's the part where you're kind of moving forward, right? And you're just kind of, you're like, okay, well, this is this is the the thing that happened to me. So, I guess this is who I am now. So I got to move through life in this capacity now. And so that's where I'm at right now. But yeah, like I wouldn't say it's like I've come to complete terms with what happened or what what I deal with on a kind of day to day level or anything like that. But but yeah, like making the record, I, I don't know if it was really cathartic. I think it was something I, I wanted to do. You know what I mean? Like, you don't want something to stop you either, right? Like, if I would have just, like, shut down when I flew sick, then I wouldn't have made this record. You know what I mean? And and so it, feel, it felt pretty important to me to make, to see it through all the way. Um, and kind of in a big way as well, too. So, yeah, no, I can, I, I hear you there. What's, so what is your next step, both uh, personally, health-wise, and I suppose what, what's going on with you and, and Siskiyou in, in the next little while. You mentioned the, the possibility well, of doing shows, but what, what else is going on? Well, I, I'm uh, like for the next few months, I'm scoring a film here. So it's a film. It's called The Happy Film, <clears throat> and it's uh, a documentary, I guess, about happiness. <laughs> and um, it's a film by this guy. His name is, uh, he's a designer from New York. His name's Stefan Sagmeister. And he's a pretty well-known designer as far as that world goes. And so he did a big show called The Happy Show, which is like a big multimedia thing. I think it was in Toronto for a long time. And uh, it tra- travels around. And this is kind of the companion film to it. So it's like a feature-length documentary. And um, and so they hired me to do all the music for it. So, so now I'm in this garage... Uh, and I've got it all set up with all of my equipment and I'm just kind of starting in earnest to score it now. So it's wow. kind of an unknown thing. So we'll see how that goes. And then, yeah. And then shows maybe in the summer. Um, I don't know. I think I'm, my family, we're moving back to Ontario probably at the end of the summer. So, uh, you know, so who knows what's in store? <laughs> well, that's great. Why? What's prompting you to move back? Uh, I, well, we, I had, I had a, a, a kid, a daughter, about a year ago and my wife is also from Ontario. And so, you know, at a certain point when all of your family 
is Ontario. I think that when you have a kid, I don't know if you, I guess you're from Ontario, right? I'm from, so, I'm from Ontario, but my wife is from Alberta. And yeah, we have these conversations all the time. Where are we going to live with? These oh, kids? really? Okay. Yeah. So, so yeah. Like, so maybe that's a bit different than actually, but, but yeah, so that, you know, a having a kid is hard. You want to have some family around that so they can help out a little bit, but also you want your kid to know their cousins and their grandparents and all that stuff. Right. So and, you know, no one's going to move out to us like we're kind of here. And also Vancouver is ridiculously expensive, too. It's mm-hmm. crazy, like how much money is. I feel like I was immune to it because I lived in the same apartment for like eight years. So the rent never went up. And then when I finally moved because we needed a bit more space, I was I was fairly shocked at how expensive rent was. Like it, like, it passed my ethical point where I feel comfortable paying rent. You know what I mean? So, yeah. Anyways. What, what is it? Is it? Was it voted the most expensive city in the world or? To live or? I think it was like second most behind like Hong Kong or something like that. So you live in the second most expensive place to live. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, you gotta I get know. you gotta get out of there. So where in Ontario would you be? Yeah, I don't know. It really kind of depends. Like my wife my wife's from up near Owen Sound, which I don't think we would really go there. I'm from down near Windsor. I you know, there's there's some like Detroit, there's lots of interesting things happening in Detroit. Toronto would be ideal, but Toronto feels really expensive as well now. So, you know, I feel like we've just said a thing. We're moving to Ontario. We're moving back to Ontario, but we don't actually have a plan about like exactly where we're going or, you know, we have a rough time when we're leaving. That's about all we have right now. So, all right. so that, that will probably change the dynamics of this, uh, this band for sure. Cause you know, a couple of the members are, you know, permanent residents of Vancouver. So. Yeah, that, that I can see why that would be uh, certainly why that would be an issue. Well, that's uh, it's great. I mean, there's lots of great drummers in Ontario, <clears throat> and uh, I'm sure you'll find someone to play with. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'll give you a call. I'll give you a call when I show up. Yeah, why not? I like the, I like the band a lot. No, I'm just I didn't mean to insinuate myself into your band, but I uh, <laughs> I am a fan, so it's great. I want to tell folks that the uh, latest album by Siskiyou is is nervous. It's great. It's out now via Constellation Records, and you can learn more about it at cstrecords.com. Uh, now, Colin, is there a song in particular from the uh, album that uh, we can feature now and, and let people check out? Uh, yeah, for sure. Um, I I'm uh, I like... I think Wasted Genius is a good kind of well-rounded song for most people to hear. Okay, that's it's a, it's a it's a it's a well-rounded song. It's not too far out there. It's not too far in there. You know what I mean? It's it's kind of. I think it encapsulates the record. You know the all the different aspects of the record on some level. So do you do you have particular like pop uh, inspirations, like a, a rock inspirations? I guess I was trying to pin down where some of these sounds what they reminded me of. And there was, I was with every song I'm kind of all over the place. Well, I mean like, like groups that are large, big pop groups that I really like. Um, you know, I, I feel like growing up, I always listened to the Smiths a lot. So that was always like a big, that that's kind of constant in my life, I think, and has been for, you know, 20 years. So, and that explains, Um, that explains the similarity between how soon is now. And I think it's bank accounts and dollar bills, maybe. Oh, do you see a similarity in those? Which one has the, the, um, slide is it that one yeah 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 yeah. totally reminds every time it comes on i'm like this totally sounds like how soon is now that's i've never even i've never i'll have to go back and listen i didn't mean to ruin your own record for you no no that's great sometimes it's because i you know that yeah that's that's funny because i know there's another pop song 
that uh, that song, if you boil it down to its core, it, it's very similar to as well. That's that's more popular than um, the Smiths for sure. So huh, okay, I'm gonna, yeah. I'm gonna think about that one too. All right, so and, yeah. and and is there okay? That's fine. I don't I don't want you to go too far into it. I was just trying to like, are you a Sparkle Horse fan? Do you got like, is there anything like that? Oh, never li- never listened to Sparkle Horse in my life. Um, Flaming Lips. Flaming Lips, I love, yeah. Like, the Flaming Lips, I don't really listen to them as much now, but there was a time where, like, you know, like, one of my favorite records is the Zyreka, that record with the four mm-hmm, CDs mm-hmm. that you have to play at once. That 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 had a big thing in my life. Yeah, I'm a definitely a huge, have been a huge Flaming Lips fan, for sure. I yeah, feel like that, that's got to be the new T-shirt. I used to listen to the Flaming Lips. I feel like everyone's... Uh... <laughs> Actually, maybe I can sell that to them. That's <laughs> an idea. Um, everyone's abandoning that ship. You think so, really? I think the more people hear, yeah, I just think people are a bit off-put by Wayne Coyne, and there's lots of drama there and gross. Yeah, yeah it just it seems to be getting weird. Yeah, I don't know. Growing up, like as in, in my you know twenties and stuff, they were they were a great rock band, and and then went into a weird, ex- great, amazing experimental phase. And now it's they feel a little. Yeah, I just I just no, I'm not as connected to the music that they make anymore. You know what I mean? So. I think this seems like a nice segue into dedicating this song to Wayne Coyne. This is Wasted Genius. <laughs> awesome. By Cisco. Uh, Colin, thank you for the chat, and I uh, wish you the best of luck with everything. Great. Thanks, Vish.
Thanks again for checking out Creative Control with Vish Khanna. You can email me about the show at creativecontrol933 at gmail.com. That's creative with a K, control with a K, 933 at gmail.com. You can also follow our Twitter at Vish Creative, V-I-S-H-K-R-E-A-T-I-V-E. And you can also like our Facebook page. A version of this show airs on CFRU in Guelph every Wednesday at noon Eastern. And you can listen to that online at cfru.ca or if you're in the KW region at 93.3 FM in Guelph. You can also sign up for the weekly mailing list for the podcast and the, and the show at vishkana.com and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. I believe that is everything I wanted to tell you. Thank you once again. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.